your servant And I am listening Speak to me, Lord, speak to me Speak to me Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by the Macarius Church Headquarters. This great teaching provides clear and straightforward answers for anyone desiring to walk according to the Word of God. Enjoy some of the most comprehensive and down-to-earth teachings as taught at the Macarius Church Headquarters. I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. Hallelujah. Welcome back to the riverside. <laughs> it's beautiful to be here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the entrance of thy word that giveth light and giveth understanding to the simple. Give us the spirit of understanding and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Tonight, at our first Riverside Atmosphere since we resumed, I'd like to share from this powerful book called Victory Secrets. Amen. And I'd like to share on Victory Secret number five, which is... The secret of the little book. The secret of the little book. Now, I would like you to know that Job was one of the greatest men of the East. Certainly, according to Job chapter 1, that was how he was described. And it will probably interest you to know that Job, even though it's found before the book of Psalms, chronologically, Job lived near the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was not somebody who came later. He was one of the, was it the his era was the era of the patriarchs. Oh yes. And now he said something very powerful in Job chapter 29 verse 1. He said, moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. Now look at verse 4. Very, very important verse. It says, As I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. So if Job was a successful man, it's because he knew certain secrets. And if you understand, a secret is something that some people know and some people don't know. At least that's one of the definitions of what a secret is. I mean, if it's a secret, you know it, but somebody else doesn't know it. God is a God of secrets. And it seems as though he reserves his secrets for the people he loves. So in Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29, the Bible says again that the secret things belong to our God, the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the works of this Lord. Amen? 
So what we are saying is that there is a secret that you can receive, that you can have, that will make a difference. He says, he says, he says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but there are some which are revealed. It takes something to move into the category of those for whom it is revealed. Oh yes. And one of the things about God is that he answers to or shows the secret not to casual browsers. People who are just flicking through, passing through. No, 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 no. He, 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 his secrets are reserved for seekers. Those who are looking for something. And tonight, may God turn you into a seeker. And may God turn you into a God lover. How many know that secrets are usually spoken in private rooms? Oh yes. If those of us who are into espionage movies, you see that people sometimes send some female assassins who are able to get secrets that have not been revealed to other people. Amen. So what is a secret of the little book? Let's read from Revelation chapter 10 verses 1 and 2 first. Revelation chapter 10 verse 1 and 2. And I saw another mighty angel. Somebody say mighty angel. Come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun. And his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Now if you see a mighty angel whose one foot is in the sea and one on the land, then you can see that even if he's carrying a big book, it will look little. So don't let that expression little deceive you that, oh, it's not a really important book. No, 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 no. It may be in relation to the size of the angel. And it also tells you that, look, do not downplay any book by its appearance. Some people look at a book. There are no pictures in it. So they, say they will not read the book. Verses 8 to 11. Let's go to verse 8. So this is the angel with the book. Verse 8 says. And the voice which I heard from heaven. Speak unto me again and said. Go and take the little book. Which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter. But it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Hallelujah. Number one. The little book will determine your future ministry. 
Oh yes. In the life of our father, Bishop Dagwood Mills, he read a little book from Kenneth Hagin called Plead Your Case. And after that, he was so drawn to the writings and the books of Kenneth Hagin that that pursuit one day eventually led to the downloading of an entire ministry gift into his life. And we'll talk about it, that the book which is sweet and nice and easy to read is probably what you should be reading. Not the one that gives you a headache. You can't, you don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> no. A book defines the life and ministry of a person. I've heard Bishop David Oedipo say as well that he read a book. In fact, he says that one day he was looking for the secret of prosperity. So he took two books, one by Gloria Copeland and one by Kenneth Copeland. He said, I went on a deep search for three days. He said, when he finished, poverty died. <laughs> May poverty die in your life because of a revelation. Why? Because a book brings you a revelation. You know, a revelation gives you what can be known or called an eureka effect. I'm sure you've heard of eureka before. But there was Archimedes. I don't know what profession he was. But the king suspected that he had given work, he had given some gold to a goldsmith. And the goldsmith had mixed it with other metals, produced an alloy. So he told Archimedes to find out whether it was true or not. And I think that, you see, that's even... That, that kind of, if you like, a mind that wants to investigate a matter is lost to us today. We, we, can, we don't have a, a, a long attention span. So we have shorts, one minute, reels. Then we watch and we are happy. Nothing to engage us. I mean, this man was on the topical. He was on it for days probably. Just trying to think about and I see that tonight God is making you that kind of person because you see if you can't engage your mind eh, you will not be among the top echelons of society oh yes the, the, the readers they are the top the non-readers are <laughs> the majority and at the bottom but you are leaving the bottom and coming to the top because you can engage your mind he was on it Research thinking. It's like, ah, what could this? I mean, how will we solve this problem? Then, as the story goes, one day when he entered his bathtub, he displaced a certain amount of water from the bathtub, which gave him the solution. So he jumped from the bathtub and began running through the streets. Eureka! Eureka! I found it! I found it! As a man, he was naked because he had not worn anything. But... <laughs> May you have an Eureka effect. May something you are looking for, may you suddenly find it. Because of a little book that 
you receive. Say amen. amen. So it, it, it changes the course of a person's ministry and life if you find a little book. Number two, the little book and angels. So the first point is that the little book will determine your future ministry. Let me read what our father has written here. He says, your entire ministry is determined by the little book that you eat. And because this is based on the book of Revelations, the book of Revelation clearly reveals and unveils things that are hidden from open view. Things that are not public knowledge are made known to us if we care to accept them. Revelation means to unveil and to show something that is hidden. Few people realize how important and powerful it is to devour God-sent little books. There are several important secrets that are contained in this testimony of the mighty angel with the little book. Hallelujah. Amen. So number two, the little book and angels. Revelation 10, 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven speak unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. This is very important. Because it says here that angels are involved in delivering books to you. In other words, the process by which you get exposed to a book is supernatural. Oh yes. A book that is going to change your life. You see, I remember when I was in maybe fourth or fifth year medical school, I was about to go through a difficult time. Maybe a year or two of difficulty. In Kolebu. <laughs> As a medical student. But I remember I went to on evangelism. And when I went to a certain room, this guy was in the school of hygiene. We went, were witnessing to him when he took a book. He said, this book is my sister's book. It even had, I think, his sister's name in it. And then he said that this book is a very nice book. So he was giving the book to us, I think we were the two of us, to go and read. The title of the book was, He is Everything to Me. A small, a little book. Based on Psalm 23. The Shepherd's Psalm. Hey, Reverend Romeo, that book. Well, please forgive me if somehow it never got back to him. Maybe he gave it to me. Maybe. But please, I don't remember that detail, so don't. But somehow, Reverend Ken, that book stayed with me. I read that book and read it. Hey. I mean, it was, it was the book that would help me in those difficult years. Till I finished medical school. Yeah. So, God will use an angel. And I'm sure you know by now, angels don't always come. Like Reverend Philip came in the Christmas play with a wing, a small wing which cannot carry 
a human being, <laughs> much more an angel. No. If you are waiting to see a being with wings and speaking in a certain way, you, you may not. You may see one pastor in Swaziland. He's the pastor, he's one of the healing Jesus board members, Apostle Jethro Malenzisa. He says he went to visit a friend. And when he, as he sat with the friend, he saw a book in the friend's library called The Mega Church. So he asked his friend, what book is it? And he said, oh yeah, it's a book written by someone like Ward Mills. And he said, can I go and read this book? He said, oh yeah, yeah go and read it. I'm not, I'm not reading it. He said, that book, he had it for five years. He didn't know that this author that God knows had written any other book. But he, w- he was with the book for five years. And his church grew from about 150 members to 900 in Swaziland. Uh, it's a good place to talk. Because if you know the population of Swaziland, if you extrapolate it, he can have about 15,000 members in, in Ghana by extrapolation. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, it's all right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, what I'm saying is that the circumstances that God will orchestrate to introduce you to a book shows the angelic or supernatural dimension. I have a friend. I went to a program in London okay. <laughs> called The Gathering of Champions. Years ago, somebody had come from Ghana and said, oh, so I went with him. And then Mike Medock came to preach. And Mike Medock, after he preached, I bought two books. Two books of Mike Medock. But when I came, they were in my shelf, on my shelf. I didn't really read them. I was not so interested at that time in reading Mike Medock. No, I wasn't. I'll be honest with you. But my friend came from Ghana with my brother to come and visit me in um, a town. (laughs) A town called Aylesbury. And he saw the two books and said, Ah, Mike Medock, can I go and read them? I said, Oh, take them. And he brought the books from London to Ghana. And based on the books, he built a big business. Yes. Yes. So his way of getting exposed to those books. No, I, I know somebody who is doing business. He works in Kumasi. And his, the revelation with which he's expanding his businesses are the books on Mega Church. Hey! I sat with him in his car. The revelation he was giving me on enlargement secrets. Uh, I became shy. <laughs> hey, and he has taken it all. And his workers, he's, he teaches them loyalty. Oh, and his businesses are growing. And he, he, he told me something. I said, what? <laughs> I mean, all the things in Megacho, the principle of smaller self-divisions, he's using cells 
to grow his wisdom. <laughs> I said, what? It was written for us pastors. And the way you are using the thing, like, oh man. Yes. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. May God give you a book. Amen. And may God give you a revelation. Amen. May God show you through an angel a book. Huh. Number three. It's a short resumption message. The little book is the mission of the big angel. Revelation 10, 8 says, And the voice which I heard from heaven speak unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Now listen to this. It is time to grow up in your understanding of what a book is. It is time for you to value books as much as God does. I'm sure you've heard the unfortunate statement that if you want to hide something from an African, put it in a book. But you are changing that story. I had a man of God say that when you are on a plane, usually people of a certain race they open their laptops and they are working or they are sleeping. But people of another race, they'll be chatting, uh, even, even, even if they haven't met the person before. They can chat with him and find out about his children, his hometown, his everything, and, 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 and chatting uh, to the end of the day. Because being able to take a book and read it and discover something. But that's what I'm saying. Tonight, everything is changing for you. Oh, yes. As God shows you the secret of the little book. Please read. Listen. It says, the largest angel ever sent to the human race brought nothing greater than a little book. This shows us that a book is a very important item. The angel did not even bring a book, a big book. The secret found in a little book can make all the difference in your life and ministry. Number four, take the little book. Verse 9 says, And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. He had been given the instruction that go and take the little book. He, he had to go and take it. It is important to take the books that God has presented to you. Perhaps the book is lying on your table. That's why I said it's supernatural. Because it's God who will show you that this book. You know our father, our prophet, Bishop Dark, he had bought a book by Rick Joyner called The Prophetic Ministry. But the book was on his shelf. 
Then he went to South Africa and then somebody showed him a book, The Final Quest. No, no, I think it was a prophetic ministry he saw. No, no, they had bought The Final Quest and put it on a shelf. But somehow, you see, that's why I said, it takes an angel, a supernatural occurrence to open your eyes to see something that is already there. Ah, I already have the book there. Then he went to take the book, which was already on a shelf, and started reading. And it has opened up major areas in his life and ministry. You know, there's a, there's a third century monk. His name was Augustine. I'm sure you've heard of St. Augustine. He's, it's after him that the school, St. Augustine's school is named. He was a bishop in a North African town called Hippo. He wasn't a bishop, but he was a young man who was really into blowing time. His mother was very worried about him. But somehow, he felt he could find God through reading or, you know, reading stuff. Then someone came to visit him. And the person told him that there is a monk in Egypt called Anthony. And he says that something happened to him. Anthony was a young man whose father had left him a big inheritance. It says that when Anthony had the inheritance and was probably about to enjoy the inheritance, he walked into church. And when he walked into church, the pastor was reading from Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Please show us. This is Jesus and the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, do all these things. And Jesus told him all the things from the 6th to the 10th commandments. That's the things that apply to your neighbor. And the man said, oh, that one, 100% I've passed. Then Jesus gave him the big tests. Which is the test of whether you will love your God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. And so he told them, this is the verse said, Jesus said unto him, if thou would be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And the Bible says the man went away sad. But this young man, Anthony, was sitting in church, when the pastor read that verse, back to Matthew 19, 21, he said, immediately Anthony heard that word from the pastor. He didn't wait for the pastor to explain or preach his message. Oh, he said, God is speaking to me to go and sell everything I have. So he left the church service before the preaching ended. Went to his office, called his steward and said, Value, uh, value my estate. Value everything. We are going to sell everything and give to the poor. And he sold everything and gave to the poor and went to live on the outskirts of the town to start a fellowship. Antonio of Egypt. Because he felt that this is, this is, this is what God is telling me. So when they came to tell Augustine, who was a young man, this story, Augustine got up and said, no, no. We have great education or reading, but we, we, we've not been able to do what this man has done. So as he got up and went to the garden, he heard the voice of like a little boy or girl saying, take it up and read. Take it up and read. Take it up and read. Said, ah, what voice is this? Somebody had brought him the scrolls of the book of Romans. 
No, at that time, the Bible had not been compiled. The third century. And when he picked it up, then he read, he read Romans 14, verse 13 and 14. Please show us Romans 14, verse 13 and 14. Which says that, let us not therefore No, no. Okay, Romans 13. Or oh, let me just check. It's worth checking. Can you check Romans 13, 14? What does it say? Ah. Hmm. I'll find it. 13, 13, 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus. 1313. Ah, that's it. Let us walk honestly. As in the day, not in routing and drunkenness. Because he was into that. And the book he picked, said, take it up and read. Showed him, let us walk not in routing and drunkenness. Not in chambering or wantonness. Give us, change the version, New Living Translation, because now the words are heavy. <laughs> These were the words that when he heard the words, take it up and read. Take it up. This is what he, he picked up. He says, Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Beautiful. That's the wantonness. <laughs> that was describing his life. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the scripture. Verse 14. Let's read verse 14. Verse 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. That's it. This was the basis of the conversion of St. Augustine. He became born again through this one. Take it up and read. Take it up and read. So maybe there's a book lying on your shelf. Or in your back. Take it up and read it. You say, oh, I know what's in this book because you read it before. I'm, I'm coming. Take it up and read. There may be a revelation there for you. It says, perhaps the book is for sale in the bookshop. <laughs> oh, it's such a shame. I'm, 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 I think somehow electronic books, e-books, have made us see there used to be a certain feeling. There's a feeling, yes, of, of even walking into a bookshop and looking at the book and paying for it. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's something about it. That's why when we preach, we bring the real hard copy book because. There's something about it that we may have lost in electronic books. Oh yes. I remember years ago when I was, my sister had read a book called Knowing God. 
It's by a powerful theologian called J.I. Packer, Knowing God. One day, as I felt that I wanted to know God and I was seeking God, I was in South London, um, over. I took a underground, went to central London, went to look for the book. At that time, it was this 25th anniversary edition. Picked it up and brought it home to read it. I set out to go and look for it. Is a bookshop working? It's working. <laughs> but many of us don't even know that there's a bookshop. How many have not been, you've not entered the bookshop? You will not. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, some years ago, my firstborn son, he entered a bookshop, opened the book, and started reading. You no, know, he, he didn't go and buy the book. He was using the bookshop as a library. <laughs> He was inside in a corner in the bookshop when the bookshop workers closed and locked the bookshop. He didn't even notice that they had been locked inside. He was still there. When somebody remembered that they had to go and take something, when they went, hey, he would have been there. Inside. Locked up. To, to him, it, 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 I, mean, he, I didn't even realize that. One day, the prophet, our father bishop, that he was with a man of God, and when they were waiting for somebody, and bishop said, Oh, there's a bookshop closed, I want to go there for a few minutes. The man of God said, No, 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 not somebody like you. You enter a bookshop, we won't go now. <laughs> oh, yes. Was he new? But some of us, we know the food courts more than we know the, the bookshop. It's about if you've been to the food court nine times, you've been to the bookshop once or half. <laughs> but everything is changing today in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that knowledge shall be pleasant to your soul. Knowledge shall be pleasant. You have delights and pleasure in immersing yourself in a book. Take the little book. Perhaps it is the first time you are encountering such a wonderful book. It is important for you to reach out and take the book. And it talks about a pastor who came in contact with his book. He admired the books and said some nice things, but he never actually took the books home and studied them. We were here when Apostle John Mukisa came and told us his story. He received about one or two copies of the Macarius, 60 then, but never really read them until something happened. When somebody shared a link with him and he watched the prophet preaching at Give Thyself Holy Conference two years ago. This was the, no, 2020. And that led him back to the books. Changed his entire life and ministry. 
that's why I said an angel is going to come and give you a book may you realize that this has come from an angel that is supernatural the fact that I've encountered this book is supernatural huh. number five the little book must be eaten turn to your neighbor and say we have to eat the little book verse 9 and he said unto me take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey listen to what prophet says reading a book is different from eating a book (laughs) in other words books must be eaten not just read Turn to your neighbor and say, books must be eaten. Oh, I remember the great um, um, reformer. This brother must set up because your position is a bit... uh, John Calvin. In his university days, he said, his university said, I ate little. I slept little and I devoured books. (laughs) Uh, If you come and see him in the crew Sitting there with books. Aha, Charlie, the guy. He doesn't read them. He eats them. Eating means, one of the ways to eat is to re-read. The same thing you read, but you read it again. That's why the best book to read is a book you've read before. (laughs) Oh, yes. Because... The knowledge you should have acted on in the book, you didn't act on it. You're going to look for another one to read. I'm not saying you should, you should read widely. I'm not saying that don't read another book. But what I'm saying is that to eat the book means to read, read until it becomes part of your system. When it is dissolved, digested, and absorbed into your very flesh. When you eat a book, it completely dissolves, disappears, and is absorbed into your flesh. When you have eaten a book, it becomes a part of you. You know, one day, a prophet went to, I think, Malaysia to preach. And after preaching, because that place has had all the men of God who were men of God preaching there. I mean, those days. Or anybody mentioned the name, they had been there. So he said that out of interest, he asked the pastor that, oh, pastor, so which of these men of God that came do I sound like? In other words, when you look at me, can you trace my origin? Oh, the pastor said, no, 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 you're original. (laughs) So no, 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 you're not like any other, you are original. You see, because somehow he is a conglomeration of different Things that he has eaten and has become oh you are also becoming somebody else because of what you have eaten but if you don't eat you just sleep the book is a sleeping pill <laughs> you take the book now you are gone May that curse be broken in the name of Jesus. Hey! Mm. Oh, yes. 
It's the book. The revelation has become a part of you. And when you speak, you are speaking of yourself. Continuous and repeated reading combined with studying and referring to the Bible will help you in your quest to eat a book. Because when you read a powerful anointed book written by an anointed man of God, like we have 100 books, you see? We have 100 books at our disposal. In case you don't know, the all to all, I hope they, they are still there. On your smartphone, you can receive 100 books written by our Father Bishop for free. And you clap too. <laughs> Any of them you can open at any time. An angel has sent you a book. And such anointed books, they lead you back to the Bible. Yes, 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 they do. They do. Any book written by our father bishop that God knows, it leads you back to the Bible. He himself said one day that when he's listening to a message, he's listening for the scriptures. God, that's where the life is. In the scriptures. In the word. Number six. The little book will be sweet in your mouth. Verse nine says, and he said unto me, take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. Let me read this one. Very nice. It says, to the making of many books, there will be no end. There are simply millions of books that have been produced. It is important, therefore, to distinguish between the books God has sent you and the ones you must not waste your time on. A God-sent book will be sweet in your mouth. Do not waste your time on books that are bitter from the word go. Where you are struggling. As soon as I notice that I struggle to understand the basics in the book, I consider it not to be one of the books God has sent me through his angel. Oh yes. That's a very useful guide. Because personally, when I'm reading books written by a father bishop, they are so sweet and nice to read. I don't know about you, but that's the experience I feel. In fact, the first time I read also a book by Kenneth Higgin called The Gift of Prophets, it was a small book. Ah, very nice. And you almost remember everything. It's an anointed book. It's an anointed book. Hmm. Please listen. When God sends you a book, he makes it palatable, enjoyable, and readable. There are books you cannot read because you do not understand them. I mean, this doesn't apply to a book, but I remember one day when I was fasting and praying, I decided, oh, this man of God also, I hear he's powerful. Let me listen to his message. I slept and I saw that no. This sleep is not a normal. <laughs> Said no, 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 no. I'll not follow. I, I, I can't. It, it's not given to me. 
<laughs> I still remember where I was. Oh! <laughs> Said no, it will not work. It will not work. It will not work. <laughs> oh yes. There are many books I simply do not understand. This prophet saying, he doesn't understand the book. And he's intelligent. So if he doesn't understand, you see, one day, are you with me? We are about to close. I told you, I saw the message. One day, John the Revelator saw a book. And he says, the book was sealed with seven seals. I think it's Revelation chapter 5. The book was sealed with seven seals. Look for this message. It's in the poemano. It's called John. Why are you crying? It was preached at Collegono powerfully. I still remember that message. I was there. A prophet explained to us that every book you encounter has seals. It's bound. But when God breaks the seal, then you can understand. Ah, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. A book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven Seven is the number of perfection. That means the book is perfectly sealed. Unless God gives you the spirit of revelation, you don't understand it. May God break open seals for you. It says, take note of books that are sweet and enjoyable to you. Number seven. The little book will be bitter in your belly. Hmm. Sweet as honey in your mouth, but bitter in your belly. Verse 10. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up. And as it was in my mouth, sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Now please listen to this. The true word of God will not only be sweet. Remember what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. The Bible, the scripture, is profitable for doctrine. But it's also profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. And instruction in righteousness. Instructions are not always easy. Yes, I learned from the navigators that when you say the Bible is for doctrine, it's like it shows you to walk on this path. That's doctrine. But it says it's also profitable for, for reproof, which means that immediately you go off the path, it will show you that you've gone off. But not only will it show you that you've gone off through reproof, but it will help you to correct you to come back to the path. And then instruction and righteousness will keep you on the path going. Yes. It's not always nice. That's why when you hear the word of God, it may be sharp, it may be a rebuke to you, but you receive it. To change your ways. Be corrected. It says the word of God and the call of God will always have a bitter component. All of ministry has bitterness embedded within it. There are things that are hard, painful, and bitter in ministry. 
As you soak in the books, it will all sound logical, easy, and the most obvious thing to do. But as you go on deeper into the ministry, there are bitter and painful experiences you will have to endure because of what you have read. I believe another meaning of this bitter is also your continuing to stay on the path of being a reader. Because Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 that of the making of many books, there is no end. And much steady is the weariness of the flesh. At a certain level, I heard the chance, the prophet say, he said that when I'm writing books, sometimes I don't even want to preach. He's so into the writing of the books that he doesn't want to do anything else. And it's wearying. But to continue to pursue, you have to give yourself to it. That's the bitter part, but you go through it. And finally, point number eight. The little book will launch you into the four dimensions of a greater ministry. Wow. People, nations, tanks, and kings. Wow. Revelation 10 11 says, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Ah, I prophesy unto you that as you keep on reading the books that the angel is sending to you, this prophecy will be fulfilled in your life. Amen. You will prophesy unto many peoples, Amen. you will prophesy unto many nations, Amen. you prophesy unto tongues and kings. Hallelujah. Oh yes. Many languages. Look at the ministry of Abraham. He's, he's preaching in Point Noir. With, on the news. Because he has 18 books. Ha. May our faith be like his faith. But may, may one day. May one day. May that happen to you as well. Amen. And happen to me as well. Look. Because we have eaten the books. Yes. You'll be invited. Someone of the bishops, sometimes, bishop has gone to preach somewhere and he can't come to, let this one come. Yes? And let him also come and preach. Because they have eaten. Many ministers do not have a ministry to large numbers of people. Our numbers are small. But because of the books we are going to be eating from today, our numbers will increase. You shall preach to more people. Your 12 will become 40. Your 40 will become 100. 100 will become 300. Rest will be preaching to 500 people. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Many people, many people, many people because of what you have eaten. You know, I'll tell you, it takes a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. You stay with it. Yes. And by the grace of God, you see it happen. It says, it says here, the dimension of many tongues. He says that when he used to preach and people would interpret into different languages, he used to be irritated by the, ah, I've said it in English, then. Three other people are saying it. But he realized that, hey, it's a fulfillment of this prophecy. That the more tongues, which is languages that are speaking, means that your ministry is becoming big. The dimension of many nations, 
And he tells about when he was invited to a country and he stayed in a room with no windows. And one of his traveling companions asked him, why do you come to this place with no windows? And he told him, have you been invited to a place before? Outside of your country? No. Then if you go to a place there's no windows, it's a promotion. Because you haven't even gone anywhere at all. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Kings. I mean, the Sunday when we were watching the hidden Jesus, it was too nice. I mean, kings. <laughs> wow. Presidents of Guinea-Bissau. That's my favorite, the Guinea-Bissau, because they look, they're all fair, they look alike, look like, you know, nice guys who have met. Beautiful. That's a professor unto kings. But we must first be faithful with what God has given us. As we continue, as we are faithful, because you see, our prophet is an example unto us. He says, at the time, he was only preaching to small groups. He's here. He said, there was a time in my life I only spoke to small groups and little fellowship that would sit around in a circle. So if today you're also teaching people in a circle, small fellowship, it's, it's fine. If you will persist, if you will continue, God will make you speak to many people. I think this is okay for tonight. Let's rise to our feet. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. Tried and true with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Oh Lord, prepare me, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, a sanctuary. Pure and whole, tried and true, tried and true. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Oh, for sometimes say, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, tried and true. I'll be a living sanctuary, first Timothy. 15 has a secret when it comes to books. We know this verse. That's the give thyself holy verse. But let's read it again in the King James. 1 Timothy 4.15 Meditate upon these things. 
See, we don't think about what we read. Give thyself wholly to them. The Bible and the books we are reading. Give yourself to them. So when it happens, thy profiting may appear to all. I see your profiting appearing to all. Oh yes. If you give yourself to them, there's too little attention given to what is important. Yes, I read a book that said that the first two hours of your life should be invested in what matters of your day. Should be invested in what matters most to you. I still remember because at that time I was specializing in obstetrics and gynecology. So my decision at that time was that my first hour will be spent reading the Bible and praying, and my second hour will be reading my obstetrics and gynecology. But I still, I still remember, I gave myself to them. So may you also give yourself wholly to whatever. I mean, some of us, we even our books, our school books, out of the 24 hours, how many hours do we spend reading the books? That's why you don't know. But you don't know, not because it's a difficult subject, but you have not read it. You haven't read it. Because you see, God is a God of all knowledge. So God knows physics. You didn't read it. Don't say that, why accept a difficult question? (laughs) You didn't read it. You didn't read it. And it's not the witches in your hometown. Who have taken anything away for you have not given yourself wholly to them you have not read them as a student whose main profession should be reading <laughs> begin to pray for yourself say lord help me to give myself holy help me to concentrate help me to be a reader help me to receive the books that the angel has brought me supernaturally for my life for my ministry for a change in me pray in the name of jesus you'll be transformed into something that you are not today in the name of jesus Transform me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Make me recognize the God in the name of Jesus. Only be under the empire. Remove shall be under the empire, Baba. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you are here. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What a beautiful opportunity tonight to receive Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and somebody has invited you, it's time to make a public declaration that you belong to Jesus. Bow down your heads and if that is you, I want you to raise up your right hand only. I'll pray with you. It's a nice atmosphere in which you give your life to Jesus if you haven't done that before. Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I am listening.
We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Vicarious Church headquarters, East Legon Hills, Accra. Stay blessed. I am waiting.